Hey friends, welcome to Fueled to Thrive. This is a podcast all about nutrition, running, and motherhood. I'm so happy to have you here today. We have a great guest on the show today. Her name is Starla. Starla is a registered dietitian and she, much like me, works with a lot of runners. She's also an OTQ marathoner. So if you don't know what that means, she qualified for the Olympic trials in the marathon in 2020. And Starla is a sweetheart. I'm so excited for you to hear more about her story and how she got to where she is today. Starla shares a lot about her story and struggling with eating disorders and is now working with a lot of people who have been under fueling. And I'm so excited to dive in and discuss with her today how she did it and where she is now. So thanks for tuning in today and enjoy the show. Starla, thanks so much for being here today. It's so great to have you. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Yeah. So for those of you, you know, those of you listening who don't know Starla, Starla, tell us just a little bit about your background, what you do for a living. You're also a runner. So kind of tell us what you specialize in and all of that. Oh, awesome. So hi, everyone. My name is Starla Garcia. I am a registered dietitian over at the Healthy Shine. People can find me at Starla underscore shines on Instagram. Um, I am also a marathoner. I recently started dabbling in ultra trail running, which has been a lot of fun for me. Um, and ever since then, I've kind of been taking deep dives into the outdoors and getting myself more into like nature and all that fun stuff and really re- connecting with cultural foods and the outdoors again for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And remind me you're in Houston, right? Houston, Texas. I'm in Houston. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So kind of to give people a background of Starla, I actually, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember this. I met you at CIM in 2019. Yes. Yes. (laughs) We were on the bus because we didn't finish. And (laughs) I remember following you because I was like, oh, she's trying to get an OTQ. And I remember you running in Houston and getting it. So Starla ran the 2020 Olympic trials. How was that race for you? Because for me, it was, it was just a rough day, but it was an awesome experience. How were the trials for you? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's so funny. Cause I, I didn't know if you remembered that either. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like so impressed with the women that were in there and I was like already, you know, I couldn't even walk <laughs> like, <Yep. laughs> and everybody was just like, Hey, good job. Like awesome. And I was like, my feet are so messed up, but oh, man. it was like really nice camaraderie in the van. Yeah. And were like so hyped for everybody yes. like just watching everybody in the van so yeah if people were running that day we were like in the van <laughs> yes um yeah the the olympic trials were just a lot of fun yeah a really great experience that i'm glad i got to take part in um it was just like such a joyful day yeah um and just like extremely celebratory yes there was so much like enthusiasm and just such a I think you could just feel the energy like floating around in the air and I think I think I definitely fed off of that that day Mm -hmm. it was tough it was so hard I think (laughs) I got to like mile 18 20 and I was like 
all right, like we have eight, eight <laughs> miles to go. Like you can do anything for like 50 minutes, you know, those yep. things. Like, yep. uh, and so that was like really the perspective that I yeah. had. It's like, all right, like I'm here and like, I'm actually still doing okay. Like yeah. my body's intact. I'm healthy. Yeah. Like, just, you know, just go for it. And then if like things fall apart, like not a big deal. There's yeah. some work underway. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. It was such a, that experience was surreal. So many amazing women, just, it was so, like you said, so celebratory. It was just beautiful. Yeah. Um, so tell us kind of, cause I know a little bit of your backstory. I don't know a ton, but I know we also have similar stories. Tell us a little bit about your journey on how you actually got to that point in the Olympic trials. Um, yeah. cause I know nutrition probably played a huge part in that for you. Um, so I guess like with the Olympic trials, it actually didn't come into my hemisphere until after I ran TIM the first time, um, okay. 2018. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't really thought about it and I yeah. didn't even like know the standard, like yep. none of that. Um, yep. so like there were so many people that were so, on, that were on the bandwagon for yeah. it and looking for it like way before I was. So um, but yeah, I had ran 2018 popped a great day. Um, you know, I had a great race. I ran, uh, 315 okay. at, yes. uh, 20 at the 2018 Boston marathon. Okay. Okay. Oh, I was um, at that race. Oh, it's so uh, cold. <laughs> it was so cold when I finished that race. And honestly, that was like my first marathon that I had trained for. Yeah. Um, like really, really trained for, um, and I didn't start training until maybe January of 2018. Yeah. So I, I prepped like eight weeks, I think eight yeah. to weeks, um, which people are like, probably like, Oh my gosh. Um, but <laughs> like, that was really what happened. Yeah. I was coming off of like years of like, just kind of having fun with running and not yeah. really putting too much emphasis on it in my life. But I was finally at a point where I was like, I just really want to do a marathon. Like, yeah. That's awesome. Um, so I, I like put my head down, trained, um, for it with a club here in Houston and then, um, did thir- did 2018 Boston, okay. um, and finished the race. And I was like, all right, like, I don't know if anything else is going to get harder than this. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I think like having that mentality after that, I was like, okay, like what else do I have here? If I train again, the same yeah. way and I stay healthy and it's like a much nicer of a day to marathon. Um, so, um, I, I definitely trained through the summer, did that build up for 2018 CIM. And I didn't know anything about CIM either. You listened to road running podcast (laughs) for it. Um, I listened to that podcast and it was great. If anybody is ever doing that race, go and look at road running CIM's podcast. Nice. um, Where they break down the entire course every five miles for you. And I took their tips and it was so helpful um, going into that race. And I had done workouts and stuff like that too, going into it. And I felt like things were clicking, but I just didn't know. And so I had very low expectations. Um, and I ended up having a really great day. And I think I ran 53 and my friend, I think you should like consider trying to qualify. And I was like, I don't know if I really want to, um, like give so much energy to this. Um, I'm really liking where I'm at. And I honestly was just having so much fun 
with like this new phase of running and you know after running collegiately like yeah. you only have that one perspective yes. I was just really enjoying like this new life with it yeah um and it wasn't until I heard Allie on the Runs podcast with mm-hmm. Carly Gale, um, and she was going for it and just so open about it. And just, I found that very, um, very intriguing, like yeah. the way she spoke about her goals so strongly and yeah. believed in herself so much. And I thought, well, if she believes in herself that much, why can't I do yeah. that? Yeah, I think of myself that highly and it really resonated with me on like why I didn't believe that I could do it yeah. and it made me actually like think like what do you think you can like well, why yeah. are you afraid of doing xyz things like, yeah. there's nothing to be afraid of and it made me really like like even think about well how has your past eating disorder mm. prevented you and held you back like is it continuously totally. back maybe not in nutritional ways mm-hmm. but like in your the way that you see yourself moving yeah in. yeah mm-hmm. totally so um I definitely was like well I no longer have this like issue like right in my face anymore um and I'm still like uncovering like how the this mindset is impacting mm-hmm. I need to challenge these thoughts yeah and yeah so I really um started to like um really commit to that goal yeah and so um uh, ended up training with a group in Houston and I did grandma's mystic. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh you must have been you must have been there that day. Was that grandma's 2019? To, uh yes, 20. Yeah, I was that's where I got my OTQ. So that's so funny. Yeah. We've collided um, in so many races. Yeah. Uh, um I know a lot of women had qualified that day. And yeah. I just didn't have it that day. Yep. Um, it's yeah. It got warm towards the end. It got it, warm it, towards the end it, that it, day. Yeah. And I remember yeah. that was one thing that I had never really paid attention to on my yeah. nutrition. And so I really worked on that the rest of the summer was yeah. like working on my electrolytes, on like replenishing my needs, like mm-hmm. staying hydrated, like things like that I really worked on. And so I just kind of went back to the drawing board and I was like, all right, like, you know, we still have some more races and yeah. it happen, but you know, what can I learn from yeah. this? Yeah. Um, and so went back to the drawing board, trained through the fall, um, did CIM, had some shoe problems, could not go any other steps. Oh. I lost all of my toenails oh, that pursuit. Oh. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, everything came together very nicely. Um, 2020 at Houston. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Uh, I've heard Houston's a great race. I really look forward to racing that one day. I've heard I think it's so fun. You know, uh, it is my first marathon um, that I did back in 2014. Okay. Um, My second at 2017. And then I've done it like two other times. Okay. Um, And I've done other races and I do enjoy it probably the most. Yeah. Um, And I may be also super biased, but (laughs) I I had a friend that was qualified um, in January this last year. Standard. And she was feeling nervous and I turned to her and said, you know, um, anybody who's anybody has come here and yeah. they do really well. And then everything changes. Yeah, so like, that's so cool. like you need to remember that this race means something Yeah, and like you have the ability to make something happen tomorrow. And she was that's like, cool. you're so right. Yeah. Um, oh. and I really like do believe that, like, I, if you look at any professional oh, yeah. half, 
or they've done the full, yep. they've done really, really well. And then yep. now they're like, you know, kind of get gain that credibility, yep. they get more confidence yep. from it. And I do see that happen a lot of the time, cool. with like a lot of people. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. That's it's so cool that a race can be that way, you know, like, but I agree. Like I know so many pros who have gone out there and just like, yeah. it was an all all-star day for them. And yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, the weather is definitely a factor yeah. all the way to the last hours leading into <laughs> it. So if you can like stay calm with it and not look at it like two weeks ahead or 10 yeah. days ahead. Uh, and that's what I tell everybody. Like, <laughs> don't don't look. look at the weather <laughs> in the week. You just look at the weather uh, like 12 hours before. <laughs> and like, that's what you need to like yeah. remember. Um and I think even like that day that I qualified the day before was so hot. hot. Yeah. It was very hot. And then going into that morning, like it had completely turned Ugh, around that's and amazing. it was the most perfect day to run. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. That's so cool. Um, so, you know, we're both nutritionists and <laughs> we both have struggled with eating disorders. I would totally love to hear more about your story there. Like, you know, when it started and how you kind of overcame that journey to get to where you are, because I feel like that, like you said, even, even mentally that holds so many barriers. Like even I still face today where I'm like, wow, I saw myself this way for so long. And then overcoming those mental barriers to get to where you want to be. So tell us a little bit about that journey and that story. Um, so my story starts, um, I would say like maybe in high school, um, like just competing in Texas and, um, you know, turning to my coach and informing them, you know, I really want to run in college. Um, like, you know, like that's what I want to do to me and says, like, we're going to have to work really, really hard. And I said, okay, like I can do that. Um, and I think at that time, uh, you know, like I wasn't really thinking about food. It just, uh-huh. Um, was like a, an afterthought I yeah. think it didn't really come to surface until maybe when I was like navigating school like the mm-hmm. end of parts of my high school career yep. academically I was taking on a lot of classes and um you know unknowingly like stress you know now I understand like stress like inhibits or it maps yep. my appetite and yep. I don't get as hungry and that's very mm-hmm. common with a lot of yep. people they stress eat or they like the other well yeah and I'm like I'm one of those people that like forgets to eat yep. um so that's what was really happening and so when I was doing that and I was um you know hydrating and drinking water and yep. like you know really trying to also be a better runner and like you know doing like subtle things I don't think like I was intentionally trying yep. to it was more of, um, you know, I, how can I like take care of myself? Um, because all these things are going on and very uncertain things yeah. period of time in my life before I go to college, like mm-hmm. what are some things that I can control? And it was, yeah. well, I know I can drink water and I can take care of myself in these. So I think there was like subtle things that I was mm-hmm. trying to do. Um, and it ended up, it ended up, you know, reflecting in like weight loss and, yep. you know, that being uh, something that I was praised for. And if mm-hmm. you type a perfectionist person that they're doing something right, you know, we're going <laughs> to receive it. I was like, lean in to like, keep doing this, right. I'm going to get that feedback, that positive yep. feedback. So that's really what happened. Um, and so going into my senior year, I saw performance benefits. Mm-hmm. 
even though like I was showing already signs of disordered eating, like mm-hmm. preoccupation with food, um, or like starting to cut out certain things as yep. well. Um, and then also having, uh, like a loss of period and menstrual cycle, yeah. like was a big one as well. Um, but I didn't know that these were signs that something was wrong or yeah. that I was under fueling and not supporting my body through food. Yeah. Um, so, and nobody ever had these talks with me. Yeah. So I just didn't know. Um, and so I had lost my period for most of my most of my, my high school career. And then mm-hmm. I went through all of my collegiate career yeah. without one yeah. um, it wasn't until I had graduated from college that I had, um, been able to obtain one again. Yeah. Independently. Um, but yeah, in college, when I ended up going to university of Houston, I was recruited eventually. Um, and I was still having disordered eating. My freshman year was mm-hmm. running phenomenally as well. Um, like really, really good as a freshman, I think yep. around 1737 as nice. a nice, which is like, I think like, I know, I think if had, I never had anything it happen, maybe it would have been faster, yeah. like as I would have gone through my collegiate career, but I peaked there and like never got yep. any faster. Yep. Um, and then I went to USA juniors with that time. And then, um, that was, June, 2009. Um, and then shortly after that, I ended up falling very deeply into my eating disorder. Yeah. So it was no longer disordered eating and yep. it developed into an eating disorder. Um, and so I had lost more weight and, and that's particular event. I bring it up a lot of the time and it's what had happened there was, um, this culmination of like, um, me doing really, really well. And all, all I can remember whenever I look at photos is how I wasn't excited. I was yeah. comparing my body the entire time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Everybody else at the starting. Yep. Um, yep. Nobody looked like me. I was a woman of color and yep. I didn't understand what that meant. And like, yeah. What it meant for people like me or runners like me to be there. Yeah. All I wanted to do was blend in and fit in with everybody else. Yeah. Um, And so looking at those photos is always really hard when they pop up in Facebook, but it's always a good reminder of like, Hey, like, you know, that was the beginning of, you know, you realizing that being different is totally okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now looking at that, I try to have a different perspective, but it's still a little painful that I thought that at that time. Um, but yeah, that's really what happened. And those were things that fed into it. Um, and then, um, after that, um, I went back to my, my freshman, my, my sophomore year, I went mm-hmm. into my sophomore year in college, um, and my teammates and my coach knew that things were wrong. And, um, there were certain instances and scenarios that had played out in that first fall semester. And then my coach pulled me aside one day and was like, I think you're really struggling with an eating disorder and we need mm-hmm. to put you into treatment or else I'm going to kick you off. Yeah. Yeah which was very good for him, I think, to do that. Um, yeah. um, and I think I received it well at the time. I think I was already kind of knowing that something was yeah. wrong. Um, and I was, I didn't want to continue to, yeah. you know, do this either. So I, I agreed. Um, I wouldn't say that I was very happy about it, but yeah, of course. You know, it was like, you're right. Like something's wrong. I don't like it that you want me to like, you know, put on weight or eat more or whatever yeah. it is. Um, but I know I can't live like this. So yeah. I 
food and um, probably one of the best things that anybody's ever done for me. Mm. Um, and he connected me with a therapist on campus and awesome. he got out a dietitian at Texas Children's. So yeah, it was like really, really mm. helpful. Um, I had a whole team with me That's too. Awesome. So yeah, I ended up having a really great experience there, um, like the rest of my career there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. It's so interesting. I just talked to another friend about that recently and she had a coach that did the same thing that like pulled her aside and was like, Hey, I see this. And I think that's, that was just not my experience. Like my coaches were not that hands-on. And so I went my whole collegiate career struggling with an eating disorder and I had no idea what to do. Like I knew stuff was wrong, but I was so trapped and I had like, yeah. yeah. So I, I think it is cool that I think we need more coaches like that who are willing to say like, Hey, the health of my athlete is way more important than, you know, yeah. how they're performing versus I had one coach that was literally praising me for losing weight. And it was just, yeah, like you said, it feeds into that like mentality of like, Oh, this is a good thing. So I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, yeah, that's, that's interesting. And I think too, like coaches need to remember, like while we're classified as adults, like that doesn't necessarily mean that we know everything either yes. <laughs> and like we're all like at that age like I didn't know anything like yes. I knew, like a little bit about something was wrong like I could see it right and like know that things weren't normal yep. but you know I think like having somebody that advocated for me yeah. like very much so in my time there like I didn't have a voice like that my eating yep. disorder voice to things for me so yeah somebody that was thinking very rationally for me like I needed that coach to yeah. do that for me yeah. and I was very lucky like he had even like advocated that um my you know my treatment when I could no longer afford to see my therapist mm-hmm. he was a grad student at the University of Houston mm, yep, yep. services um you know she had gone into private practice and I couldn't afford her and he yeah. was like He's like, well, let me connect you with the person that oversees like the funding for stuff. Yeah. Like, wow. And, like they had agreed that, you know, I was a case that needed assistance. Like it was like, he advocated for That's me. Cool. Like That's I wouldn't cool. know that that existed had it not been for him. Yeah. 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 That's so cool. I, I love that. Like, I wish, yeah, there needs to be more of that. So that's, I'm glad that that was a positive experience you had. Um, you kind of mentioned this briefly, like being one of the only Latin girls at the starting line. And I grew up in an area with, you know, majority, like almost 50% of the population was Latin. And then we moved to Miami. So I was totally surrounded by Latins. And I, I just have seen that. That's one thing I've really noticed in this sport, how few, Latina women are actually running out there. (laughs) And I am curious because I know like being in Miami, like the cultural foods is like, it's just so different than the standard American diet and what you are even taught in school, like what you should eat. Tell me a little bit about that side of things. And like how, like now you were even saying like, I'm exploring these cultural foods again, um, how that impacted you and how you've also seen benefits now of enjoying the foods you love. Yeah. And, you know, I think like, um, when you go into recovery, like that is like the work doesn't stop. Like it totally, you are always pursuing deeper parts of yourself. And I think that's just like curiosity as well. Um, and like, I think that's like a wonderful thing. And I think that's something that recovery has given me like this, like 
this ability to lean in with curiosity with things that I don't know. Yeah. Um, and like being okay with that. Like yeah. it's not as scary. There's no anxiety around mm-hmm. the food or anything like that. So I think like, um, you know, pursuing and like being curious about my cultural foods, I think that was always there, but um, it had been stuffed down by yeah. the disorder. Totally. There's also like assimilation and acculturation, yep. which has like, removed me from some of the cultural yep. foods that were surrounding me at the, like, during my upbringing and even mm-hmm. you know, I was in college um, and regionally too, like I had yeah. left a very homogenous part of Texas. I grew I grew up in like very close to the border. So like yeah, I'm actually yeah. visiting my family now and I can literally like run in one direction and probably get there within the hour. Nice. Go. Uh, so probably yeah. less than an hour. So wow. I think like, you know, when I had left, like I had been removed from it. Mm. So now as an adult, um I'm really it's been a really fun time. Like um, being able to explore it in the way that it fits my life um, yeah. and really navigating like feminism and yeah. also my own womanhood yeah. alongside running and the food part. Um, yeah. I've always been very into food and like loving food, even yeah. though I used it to restrict, totally. the, you know, cause issues with my body, but yeah. I think with the food now, it's been really I think just more of a creative outlet as well. And also, I think um, it's also helped me to really bridge the gap in terms of history, politics, environment, geography, Mm -hmm. like things like that, that I necessarily wasn't taught in school. Food has allowed me to really like go deeper into why things are the way that they are um, culturally and socially. Um, And then alongside running too, like you kind of get to, dabble in these things and I think that's what I'm really liking about um marathons and yeah. is that I get to like have these conversations with myself and explore that yeah for longer periods of time and that's so cool. I try to frame it to that running is teaching me things mm-hmm. um, when I have it and when I don't have it it's now trusting me to um, do the work or go deeper yeah. on my own. And then it'll come back to me when it's time. Yeah. So kind of sitting with that food and trusting that other things that I'm doing other than running are benefiting yeah. my process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I just think that's cool. I wish we had more people that were exposed to that. I worked at a gym in Miami and it's a very paleo focused gym and it drove me crazy. Yeah. Cause I'm like, this is not work for this population of people, like telling them to cut out legumes and rice. Like how does that makes no sense? It just makes no sense for them. And it's also, it creates that restrictive pattern again in our minds, like Mm -hmm. associating this food is bad and this is good. And so, um, yeah, yeah. I think just like demonizing it, um, it does not help. And I think too, like a lot of things I try to do with my athletes is like, you know, help them understand um, health disparities, mm-hmm. what social determinants of health as well. Yep. Um, maybe why like families didn't grow up with certain yep. things or why yep. things may be framed in a certain way. Like let's ask why a little bit yeah. more. And I think like a lot of times I just took things at like face value. Yeah. When I started to ask like why and like, you know, really get curious about why were these foods being demonized? Mm-hmm. 
got encouraged or, you know, cultivated, it really started to make sense too, to me as to why I should include these things. Yeah. Make me a whole person. They make yeah. me a whole runner. And I think too, when I got into that part where I leaned into recovery, I really started to just accept that no matter how hard I tried, I was going to be different. And that didn't yeah. mean that that was a bad thing. Yeah. That actually gave me a lot of my power back yeah. as well. Um, and it made me realize like how important cultural diversity was mm-hmm. how much body diversity mattered yeah. and that by me being um at the starting line even if I didn't win or do anything else other than start the race yeah something else was going to benefit from it yeah. and I think like you know whenever I look back at my USA juniors experience I always wish now that there was somebody else like me I yeah. think it's really sad that I was comparing my body to yeah. my peers, and I really wish that there were more women like me because yeah. maybe the outcome of me falling so deeply would have been different. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, that's yeah, it's a good piece of wisdom, <laughs> like things to think about. Um, you know, kind of moving forward from that now, you know, I like you loved food as a kid. I thought food was so fun, and then it evolved into an eating disorder, but also it's motivated me to pursue a career I have now, what, how have you seen that in your own career? Like, you know, how has your eating disorder affected where you are now in your career? Yeah. Um, you know, I, um, I remember being very, I'm like very low points with my eating disorder Mm -hmm. and thinking like, like there has to be a reason why I'm going through. Yeah. Yeah. Why does this suck so much right now? as to why I'm going to like I'm going through this but I Mm -hmm. always knew too deep down that I was going to get better I just didn't know when or how but I knew that like this wasn't like this wasn't going to happen and maybe that was the logical part of my brain and the rational in my brain that was still like fighting everything yeah Um, but I just remember thinking like like there has to be something like this like there's there's just not a reason to just like yeah, experiencing this. Um, so I remember thinking like, all right, well, if there's a reason why, then I'm going to do my best to like prevent this from happening. Other people or other, um, like we shouldn't be experiencing this at all. And like have this amount of fear around foods that my grandmother grew up on. Like, um, so I remember thinking that, and I think when it had finally dawned on me that I could do this kind of work with athletes was when I was working in a hospital and I was an outpatient dietitian. I was educating um, families and they're mainly low low socioeconomic families. Um, And I was speaking Spanish like most of my day, um, educating on like prenatal health, OB-GYN services, um, diabetes. I was working with adolescents and I thought like, I'm encouraging these types of foods because um, you were making more culturally sensitive and competent material and like educating um, these populations in that way. I was like, why can't I do this with runners? Yeah. It's almost the same thing. Um, Yeah. So I was like, you know, I eventually it just clicked that 
um, I was meant to do work like that. And I had always wanted to work with runners, specifically mm-hmm. and endurance athletes. I just didn't know like what I, what made me special. Yeah. I didn't yeah. like know what exactly I had an eating disorder, but I was like, okay, like that doesn't, I don't necessarily like see that as special or makes it like any better or like how yeah. am I going to relate to my clients? Yeah. Like not everybody has had one or had yeah. Yeah. one, but what are some of the issues that I'm seeing? And mm. a lot of the issues that I was seeing was like under fueling, yep. going on diets all the time, trying to lose weight around marathons, not wanting to fuel because of extra calories yep. um, and things like that. GI issues, not knowing yep. how to carry fuel. And so like, these were things that I was familiar with yeah. and that I had worked through in my eating disorder recovery mm-hmm. um, with my therapist and my dietitians, like those were things I had worked through, but I was like, how can I speak to my, my people and yeah. my runners in this way? Um, so I really just started to put out more content and yeah. more about these things with people that wanted to listen. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What would you say? I know where my head is, but what would you say is like the biggest, you know, obstacle or challenge runners are facing out there with fuel and nutrition? I think one of the biggest obstacles is, um, comparing themselves. Yeah. Um, I see it all the time. Even when I can see that the feeling is working, they're like, well, my friend's not feeling like as much. And I'm like, well, your friend should be (laughs) right. (laughs) Yeah. That they would probably have way better outcomes yes. you know, than you know than what they're getting right now yeah. or less injury or they'd feel better not as burnt yeah. out we don't know what they're mentally going through yeah, yeah. burned out too and you're not because you're actually fueling your brain yeah. with carbohydrate yep um, and so I think like those things, like I just see it a lot. And I think too, like body comparison as well, um, comparing times and paces to everything. Mm -hmm. I think there's just a lot of comparison. Um, And I really think that that is a lot of runners downfall. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. They're constantly, yeah. I would say under fueling is like the number one thing I see amongst runners. Um, And it's, it's all based on that. Like they're comparing themselves, like someone else doesn't do this or their body size is this way. And so I must need to do this. And, you know, coming from someone who's five I'm like, you know, six inches taller than the average runner. Like that even like affected me, even my college and, you know, yeah, you know, early years of competing, just realizing like, your nutrition is going to look way different than someone who's five, two, you know, <laughs> like yeah. you just have more height. And so like, even those things are just like that constant comparison trap is so real and yeah. a lot yep. of runners fall into it. Yeah. I totally agree and with I, that. I think too, like, um, this perception that like under fueling looks a certain way yes. that people under fuel yep. intentionally, yep. like no under fueling can happen <laughs> unintentionally. Yes. <laughs> all the time look different for yes. everybody yes so totally I think like when we hear the words under feeling like we mean something else as yeah. well um and I think to runners it's you know I think it's just like understanding that your body is different and like, yeah that's okay like my yeah. body is different my mm-hmm. body also is different from when I was 20 years old yep 
body is not meant to be 20 years old forever. Yep. Yep. And it's okay that my body ages, but yep. as long as like I'm understanding that change is inevitable and I can work with it and like actually gain the wisdom that it's gained and like learn from yeah. it, I can better take care of my body before it informs me that I've aged. Yeah. So um, I do think like that is a big one that I see, especially with women over 40 or mm. that are coming up on their 40th year is like understanding that like bodies age, mm-hmm. we're not going to look the same. Yep. And like, maybe that's also my recovery brings to people mm-hmm. now, but like, I personally don't want to look like I was yeah. like, I actually want to like move through my age brackets, like very healthy. Yeah don't care to have like six pack abs. Like yep. I really want to be able to feed my body and feel it yep. appropriately yep. so that it can move and it yeah. can run. And if that's slower, cool. But like, yeah. I don't want to be like falling apart yeah. as age either. Yeah. 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 I think that's a lot of like thinking long-term the effects that underfueling has on the body. And also, mm-hmm. you know, from personal experience and also just people I've seen and worked with is just like mm-hmm. coming back from years and years of underfueling takes some time and it's a it's a process. <laughs> it doesn't happen overnight. And mm-hmm. we want that instant gratification. Well, now I'm eating more, so my body should be working. And it's like, well, it may take years of recovery to get it to where it needs to be to fully function at its best. Yeah. And that's yeah, a hard exactly. pill to swallow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I took me like I was in a restored body. It took me like another year to regain my period. Yeah. And I felt yeah. awful during that time. Yeah. Like yeah. I remember, you know, my like my friend, he and it was a it was a male runner. He had told yeah. me, you know, some days you are probably not gonna feel great. And he's yeah. like, because you're in this phase. He's mm-hmm. like, you need to be more patient with your body yep. and you need to continue like feeding it appropriately. Yeah. Yep. Like I listened to that guy and, you know, eventually I was like, all right. Like, he's like, it's like waves. It's like training cycles. Mm-hmm. You come up on miles, you come down on miles. He's yep. like, that doesn't mean that you're going to feel great all the time. He's like, yep. there's a process you need to allow yeah. to Yeah. I was like, that makes so much sense. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right. <laughs> told me this um but really just like you know you it's a lot of patience and being long term as well yeah 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 how do you like the clients you work with because I'm sure you have so many people that it is a process and we live in a world of instant gratification have you kind of helped fight that mental battle with your with your clients that you've worked with I think a lot of the times like what I see too is um runners um dieting for very long periods of time and they continue to want and like desire that weight loss Mm -hmm. which everybody is on their own journey with that yeah Um, totally I think like if that is your goal if you continue down that path of less and less calories and trying to up your mileage sorry but scientifically that is going to lead to a lot of burnout binging and that Mm -hmm. there is a lot of research on that too and you're going to get a lot of hormonal issues issues. um it's just not going to be a fun time uh, um injuries um and i think like working with somebody that can help you increase your calories while also working on a healthy mindset and Mm -hmm. body image alongside those changes 
it can really benefit you, but you have to be willing to show up and do the work as well. Um, And I think being very patient because of calories with people, it really takes time. Um, So that way somebody is in a mentally healthy space. Like Mm -hmm. I can't just you know, increase a thousand calories, like expect somebody to be super happy with it either. Like in a perfect world, I would love that to happen. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But working with with specific kinds of athletes that have that history, you really have to go slowly and they're at. So that way, maybe so that way, you know, I don't know if that person is being a hundred percent honest with Mm -hmm. me. They could be, um, they could have bulimic behaviors and if I increase their calories that much, they may be okay with it. But then later on in the night, there's something that could be happening that I'm unaware of. So like do it in a very safe way. And that's not something I work with, like on that level. But I think like sometimes like people don't, are not really aware of how slow it can go. Yeah. And I think when people start to think about it, like, oh yeah, I have been at this caloric range for a mm-hmm. long time. Like if they're tracking it, or like, yeah, I can't eat a whole sandwich because that yeah. terrifies me. That could take like two months to yep. eat a whole sandwich. Yeah. With you. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I say that because like I was there when yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> like yep. it took me a long time to eat like a sandwich on non four forty yeah. calories. So totally, I think when people think about, you know, just changing that mindset with people who have not had eating disorders necessarily, like the metabolic things that are going on underneath, like we have to address first or else like that could lead to a lot of poor body image or other behaviors that could unfold. Totally. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Yeah. I think it's definitely hard to convince people of that, but when people get it and they start seeing the results, they're like, Oh, this is much better. (laughs) This is so much better, but yeah, Yeah. it's hard. It's a, it's a journey. It's not a linear line. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, before we go kind of tell us like what's next on your list for racing. I know you've been doing some more trail stuff. Um, but you know, are you going for the 2024 OTQ? Is that on your radar? Are you just going to stick with the trails? What are you feeling? You know, and this was such a hard decision because I really enjoy, I did the 50 miler, the JFK. Okay. Awesome such a fun race i really want to go back this year i just don't know if i am um i think i am um i might try to find something in the spring but i actually have um the wine shine half plan okay cool i've been prepping for that and then doing the um i have twin cities on my nice you know in october um, and then I might turn around and do Houston. Okay, cool. And then, like come down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't want to do another marathon in the spring. Nice. Um, so I might do some 10 milers because there's okay, a lot cool. of great 10 milers in the spring. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. That's fun. That's fun. Yeah, so I think I might do that. Um, but yeah, the 50, I did like the 50 miler. Okay. Um, we'll see what happens. I might go back next year. Um, I might do one in the spring, okay. um, like shortly after Houston, I okay. might like that fitness and put it somewhere. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, take a break for a while. Um, but yeah, I, 
I do, I, when, when I did the 50 miler, it was such a unique um, feeling. I don't yeah. know if you have any I've like not. Tried to do one. Okay. Um, but I, I felt like that was a race that I could get better at. Um, mm, that's cool. And I think like, had I had more time to prep for it, because I had gotten word that I like got an entry for it, and it was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, eight, eight weeks out. So I think <laughs> there yes. was a lot of stuff I had to like educate myself yeah. on um, in terms of trail running, um, like the huge learning curve there. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I, yeah, I really had to, um, I really had to prep for that for like less than eight weeks. Um, okay. I'm like. I would love to see what I could do if I had a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So fun. So fun. Oh, that's great. Yeah. The, the trail scene, I almost did it. And then I realized I was like, um, I don't know if I'm quite ready for this. (laughs) Yeah. You You know, know, it takes some commitment. Yeah, Um, it does. Like another layer of it. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's really interesting and it does take a little bit more time for me yeah. because I live in Houston. So I'd have to yeah. go like, out of my way to access trails totally. or like plan trips and stuff, which I could do since I work remotely, but yeah. I'm like, mm, um, I don't know if that's necessarily like, um, what I would like to a hundred percent. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. I'm really glad I did because it really provided me space to like still run and like yeah. train without like a lot of pressure because I yes. have nothing compared to. Yes, which so, is so nice. Yeah. So yeah. It, it led me to like pursue something else for a while while I like, you know, because I got injured um, like in the pandemic. I spent most oh, of the pandemic yeah. with an IT band issue. I feel you. So I, I just like, I needed something else to motivate yeah. me to train and like get myself back to like where I'm at now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I did the 50 miler and then I did a 50 K cool. in, in early April. Okay. So cool. I definitely got I'm glad I did that because it helped me build up a really nice base. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. So now, now I'm like, I have no desire to go over 80 miles a week. I love it. I love I, it. Um, <laughs> I did like 85 and I was like, that is my max. I uh, don't care about hundred mile a week. Yeah. 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 Yes. Uh, <laughs> Which I'm sure you might have some that feel yes. that they're yes. like, 40 is good. And I'm yep. like, yep. yeah, yep. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, that is great. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. You can totally run a fast mar- marathon off of that. So yeah. 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 Yes. Totally. Um, That's cool. Okay. Well, the final question I have that I asked to everyone I interview, um, is what is your favorite food? So I like to hear both like post-race cause there's always that celebratory food we love. And then just like your favorite food in general that you love. Um, my favorite food right now, um, I was talking with somebody else and I've been really liking tortillas, um, mm. the, like homemade ones. Oh, um, yes. Like there's just something about the smell, like making it yourself. Yes. It's like the most therapeutic thing. Yes. Um, so I've been really enjoying That's that. That's awesome. Are you doing corner flour? 
or a mixture? Okay, yeah. wonderful. I do a lot of corn. Um, so I've been really enjoying it. And then my favorite post-race thing, it's at the Houston Marathon. Yes. So, <laughs> I look forward to this and I love that a lot of my athletes agree with me on this who have done Houston. Um, so after the race, um, one of the sponsors is a local grocery store chain in okay. Texas TV. Um, and they pass out ice cream sandwiches oh. and it's like the best, like post yes. snack ever. Um, yes. and I look forward to eating that like every <laughs> that's awesome well it makes them special are they like unique in any ways or just like a classic ice cream yes (laughs) I love it like the store-bought brand that they sell I don't think it's anything special but I love that they do that um and people always like they're like is that a great option I'm like it is a fantastic option yes um yes and it's I've never seen any other race do it but the post-race meal that they have there is great. Like as soon as you finish, they pass out water, chocolate milk, bananas, fruit. They have people passing out ice creams. And there's also, I don't, I don't know if they did it this last year because of the pandemic and COVID stuff, but, um, I know they, they do pass out like a hot breakfast. So nice. It's eggs and a couple of other things. Oh, that's awesome. Very Texas. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I feel you Arkansas is similar, you know, so (laughs) Oh, that's yep. great. That's great. Well, thank you so much. It was so good to hear more about your story and just, you know, learn from you as well. Um, so thanks for hopping on and until next time. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks again, friends, for tuning in to Fuel to Thrive. It was so great to have Starla on the show today, and I hope you enjoyed our conversation. I hope it was a friendly reminder to stop comparing yourself to others. I think that was such a wise piece of advice from Starla that so many of us face as we feel different when we hit the starting line, whether that's a different cultural background, different body size, different personality, whatever it may be, we're all different and unique. So I hope that you feel confident next time you come to the starting line of your race or even just any situation in life and you feel good in your own skin and knowing that your uniqueness makes you you and it's important. And I hope too that you're encouraged and reminded that this stuff takes time. It is a journey and a process not meant to be rushed. If you do want to learn more from Starla, you can always refer to the description in our bio with her website and her Instagram handle. Again, it was so fun to chat with her as I know we both personally relate to a lot. Um, And I hope you had a great time learning from her and enjoying the podcast. Thanks again, friends. Until next time.